I think I do pretty well, but from what I read about you, you are a good cook, you play golf, you run your business, you manage to take your kids on holiday to 10 different states. I need I need whatever you're taking. Like, what? honestly, what's your secret? And you look so good. You know, I was gonna say the secret's being a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying and it, it looks picture perfect. It's not, none of it is. And so you really have to kind of be okay with that. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Women Your Mother Warned You About, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer at Sales Gravy, with my British co-host, Susanna Cray Jones. You can say hello. Hello. (laughs) I have English words for you today. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I bet you have words. I bet you have words. Well, Camille, we're, we're excited to have you on the show. As you know, it's just very improvised, and we go with the flow. Uh, there's definitely some interesting things in your bio that I know I want to talk about, uh, but I, I have a tendency to to roll over um, Susanna. So I'm going to try not. I know I'm going to try not to yeah, dominate talk, for right? once. Let me talk. I'm going to try. I can't make you a promise, but I'm going to try. <laughs> but I, I'd like to let, let's let Camille talk first. And Camille, if you could give our audience just a quick overview of who you are and what you do and, and what what made you say yes to being on our show? Well, thank you for having me. It's always good to be with some ladies who are making things happen, um, which is really the reason that I'm on the show, right? I think the work that you're doing is very interesting. And I love the fact that it's improvised, meaning not scripted. Um, there's many definitions, I think, to improvis- improvisation. However, that's one I'll choose for today. Um, so my name, again, as you mentioned, is Camille Clemens. My title is Executive Director of Business Development for Cohen & Company. We're a Cleveland-based CPA firm. Doesn't sound exciting, but we make it very exciting. Um, and my career has been spent, I'm now over 20 years in the financial services industry, and I've done everything from the actual accounting through the build-out of accounting practices and some sales structures. Uh, all the way through now leading a sales team and being part of one. Wow. A woman who knows about business development and finance. What more could a woman want? (laughs) (laughs) More of us. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just reading through the bio, I got to tell you, one of the things that crossed my mind was how I have avoided it's like numbers can be scary <laughs> or not numbers necessarily, but just understanding different financial things. And I started out as an accounting major and it did not go very well and had to switch over to journalism because it just, it seemed to be complicated to me. Um, so I'm excited that you're here because there's some things that, that I see on your bio that I would love to talk more about just because I do want to be better at understanding what's going on in the world financially. And I think it's really cool that you've got this accounting background and then you're in the sales world. So how did that transition happen? So out of college, I didn't want to move home. (laughs) And I took a job that happened to be as an accountant, meaning I wanted it to be on my own and I wanted to kind of forge my own path and, and decide kind of my own story, right? Develop my own story. And I think it started in college, but 
you know, it really um, has been an evolution throughout my, my life. And I think one of the things I go back to, and Gina, you mentioned that you're scared of numbers. I have a daughter, she's 16. And I remind her, you know, we can do hard things. And if you just kind of put your mind to it and really do, I don't know, be open to kind of whatever, wherever it goes, don't have a pre path that you feel like you're destined to go down this Mm -hmm. one path. As long as you're, we call it fungible. So if you want to learn a financial term, we call it fungible, meaning it could be one thing in one circumstance, but it could be interpreted as something else in another circumstance, or it's easily kind of moved between classifications, if you will. So I think in my career, I started out with the nuts and bolts of accounting and really understanding the fundamentals of the service that we were offering. And it was one pivotal moment where I was invited to present to a client. And when I had a chance to sit across the table from someone and speak about the product that I was producing uh, intelligently and answer their questions, it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. And so just it kind of took one person to nudge me along the way. And then once I was there, I said, well, I don't want to do accounting anymore. I want to be over here talking to these people. And it really was um, kind of moments like that through my career. And even, you know, earlier in my life that pushed me into places where like, that's kind of a big, scary thing. I don't think I can do that. But once you're there and you're doing it, and you're experiencing it and you're, you have like that growth mindset approach to things, I think it just happens. And then you figure out what you want to do. You don't have to be told. And that was, I, I would say that's how I would, I would put my answer to that, is just be opportunist. That's a great answer. And I think one thing that I hear from a lot of people who are in the accountancy world is that it can be quite a lonely place to be. Um, interesting, but lonely. And I think, you know, that there's one word that came to my mind when I was looking at your bio, and it's a Latin word. And Gina, I, I, I WhatsApped Gina, and she probably thought, what's nutty Susanna saying now? Um, but it's the word factotum which do you either of you know what factotum means i think it's a great word no i, I figured you would tell <laughs> I us could interpret it, we're gonna let you tell us well we, we we speak english words but we're going back to latin words today and it's from the word fac facto which is um making um like factory um in latin and it's someone who can do lots of things like the jack of all trades and when i was looking at your linkedin profile um I was thinking, putting myself in the shoes of someone who is in business and needs help, maybe having some growing pains. And I thought, this is the lady who would send me into the right direction. Have I got that right? A hundred percent. In fact, I always tell my network or anyone that I'm, I'm coming in counter with is, I would love to be your first call because our firm is is very capable of doing a lot of different things. And one thing that I've taken kind of assumed as one of my responsibilities is being, as I say, fluent within the firm. So understanding not only what my role is, but what everyone else does and how I can tie that back to any conversation that I'm having with someone. And, you know, again, it's kind of taking responsibility for doing the hard things. And so if you, if you come into this thinking, well, the sky is the limit, this place does a lot of cool things. As long as you know enough about what we do and the people who are doing those things, you can bring in the right resource at the right time. And I'll go off script a little bit to say I'm working on this, this theory I'm calling the constellation theory. And really what it ties back to, if we're getting into um, Latin, let's get into, <laughs> um, I'm not going to call it astrology. I'm not even sure Physics? what it's called. No, like no one knew that Big Dipper existed until someone drew the line. 
And we as people in an industry or in our network have the ability to help our clients draw the lines when they need to. So if we can just bring the right stars to the table at the right time, we're going to form the constellation that maybe no one knew existed before. It needs some work. It needs refining. But really, my point is, I, I do think I know a lot. I know a lot of people that know a lot as well. And so if we can just kind of make all of that make sense to the person we're trying to help, that's the power of a network. That's great. And I love that. I think it's so true. And one of the awesome things about you as well is, and I'm very interested in this because I've had two children. I don't talk much about being a mother because I'm quite good at separating the two things, but it's a challenge. I've got two children under three and I'm also considering myself as a businesswoman and I've noticed that you're you're quite a family person as well um how how have you found that building a career whilst having having kids well you need a really strong network so your home network um and I talk a lot about the different players in the game because I think if you consider yourself only a business person then you don't allow what you learn in your personal life to affect your business life and vice versa. So whether it's running um, an efficient P&L, meaning um, your, your books and your records, right? Or you're running a home budget, they, they, it, you should be able to use those skills across whatever, it, whatever part of your life you're working on at the moment. The same is true with kids. Like they like rigorous schedules. Well, I, my calendar drives my professional career. So if I don't have if I don't give myself the ability to use and cross-utilize my skills, I, I mean, I'm not even sure like why we're doing any of it. So I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. Sorry, I have to be blunt because I think I did pretty well. But from what I read about you, you are a good cook. You play golf. You run your business. You manage to take your kids on holiday to 10 different states. I need, I need whatever you're taking. Like, what, honestly, what's your secret? And you look so good. You know, I was going to say the secret's being a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, Camille, go ahead. <laughs> so for, I, I hear what you're saying and it, it looks picture perfect. It's not, none of it is. And so you really have to kind of be okay with that. And it, it, while, yes, we've been able to go to 10 states, you can bet your ass my laptop is with me and I just do what I need to do when I need to do it. And if COVID's giving us anything, it's given us a little bit of grace and being okay with the fact that I'm not always sitting at my desk doing this work. There could be background noise because I'm, whatever, on a hike in Colorado with my family, but I'm actually able to still do my work effectively because I don't have to sit at my desk all the time. So again, I need to say it's not perfect and it probably has an outward appearance that I'm really struggling with how to balance that because I do have a 16-year-old, as I mentioned, right, who scrolls through perfection all day, every day. And then when you have a bad day, you feel like a failure. And if you don't own up to that sometimes because everything looks perfect, it, I think that's our next pandemic is just the feeling that I'm okay. I'm enough. I don't need it to be perfect every day. and so. In the back of my mind, I've been, I actually almost posted something yesterday, which um, was kind of a bad day. Yeah. And I'm like, it's almost our responsibility to show both sides of this because it's easy to celebrate the victories and the success and the beauty and all of the stuff. But it's way harder to relate to someone when you feel like that's always their thing. 
and it's always perfect. And I don't want to go in a soapbox here, but I do think that we should probably do ourselves a service by, you know, being a little bit more forthright with how sometimes it's not perfect. Yes. And I'm not sure and, how to do that without feeling like here's, a person. Here's, here's something that I think is even a, a better solution to all of that. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> why? Stop caring about how it appears. Two things I want to say. Suzanne, I'm going to put you in the hot seat for a second right after this. There is the, we see picture perfect on social media, right? And then we see people who do share and are vulnerable, both get criticized. And I'm saying that as someone in that seat. If I'm too positive, everyone's like, oh my God, everything is so perfect for you. And then if I share, I had a bad day. They're like, you know, you're negative. So I can't win. (laughs) Somebody is going to pick it apart because somebody is going to be triggered by any portion of my life, good or bad. And it's none of my business how people interpret it. Period. End of story. That's my two cents on that. Well, it's a great two cents. Um, And I think sometimes we have to be blunt, as you just were, beautifully blunt, um, straight to the point. I I think I, I, I... as I'm in recruitment, I speak to people every day who uh, I think it's that guilt, guilt that you have, that family guilt, mother guilt, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's that guilt. And I think it's up to employers to empower women who are mothers and to empower them that it's okay, you can have a family life and you can be a business person but also trusting that person because I, I'm i that I'm that worker who will work 100% and I'll spend time with my kids, but I will always be where I need to be and I'll make sure that I am 100% there. But you get that guilt, both sides. And I think that's, I speak to so many, so many people who, who have that. Have you ever had that? Yeah, on the daily. <laughs> so where I fall back and how I, how I I'll say cope with that is, or reconcile that, is I do know that they trust me. I've been put in a position because I have a skill that they need to fill. And trust is built over time and you can't just assume it, but also you have to trust your judgment. So I think it's trust on both sides. It's trust that you know the right thing to do and you're going to do it when you need to. But it's also trust that you recognize that you've been put in a position for a reason and you have value to add. And you're trusting the fact that you're going to add that value. So as long as those two are aligned to your point, you know, the rest kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. And so if I have to apologize in advance for some background noise, I'll preface the conversation, <laughs> but then I'm not going to be apologetic. It's just, this is what I need to do right now. Yeah. I think, I think Camille hits it on the head by, by saying they hired you for a reason. They put you in that position for a reason. They, they have the initial trust and now it's your job to continue to do the things that will continue the trust. And it's an interesting word, empower, Susanna, when you're like, you know, companies should empower. The interesting thing about that is, again, it's my blunt opinion today. I love your bluntness. It's really not up to them to empower as much as it is for us to take power. Yes. Because empower, um, people have different... um, opinions on this because to empower is to take power away. So we have to actually take the power. We cannot have someone empower us. We have to take the power. So I think that goes hand in hand with what Camille's saying. 
They hired her for a reason. She's not going to be apologetic about what her life is. She can set those boundaries, expectations up front of like, this is who I am. Yes. This is what I do. Yes. And I, this, I'm so glad we're talking about this. There's one word, you know, that I'll challenge you on, which is take power. I say it's to assume power because taking to your point means that it's transitioning from one person to another. If you assume power, that means that you've decided just as like being a leader, you don't need a title for that. You just assume your position. You are a leader by your actions. So if you assume power, you also empower those around you. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I think leading by example is really important. Which goes really hand in hand with assuming a sale, right? (laughs) Kind of bringing it back to the sales (laughs) arena, right? It's like assume, assume the sale, right? Yeah. And it also dovetails really nicely being accountable. How many people live in a blame culture where they're like, oh, my boss made me feel like this or this happened, but wait a second, how did you react? And again, it comes back to what we talk about all the time at Sales Gravy, um, mindset, actions, and our reactions, things that we can control and that we are accountable for. And I see it every day, people in in a blame culture sort of thinking this is how you make me feel but wait how are you making you feel yeah yeah we allow it we we allow it that's my opinion we've got the power i do a lot of challenging though so someone will say well i sent them a message okay well then what (laughs) well now it's in their hands it's like but i mean really is it and we've all, I mean, I do, I've done the same thing. So I'm not to not blame here, but if you learn from your mistakes and then you correct, you course correct and don't let it happen again, then it's at least you're doing something about it. But if you, if you do just continue to, I'll say, send the email as an example, but not pick up the phone or try another route or do something else to get someone to do something, then it is a little bit falling into that culture of just complacency. And, oh, I did my thing. I can check the box. I did it. But let's be honest, right? There's always more you can do. Yeah, it's, it's, passing, it's passing the buck and not, not being part of the ownership of it. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe hone their sales skills at SalesGrave University. You see, SalesGrave University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. I've got an interesting question for you, Camille, that just came to my head because I was talking about it with someone um, in coaching the other day, actually, um, about sales style. And as as Gina was talking the other day, I was thinking, what's Gina's sales style? Because, you know, she's she's feisty, um, she's, she's direct, um, but she's also very candid. Um, apparently, I'm very proper. But how would you describe your sales style? <laughs> So are there, is this like a multiple choice question? 
<laughs> I want to see what you bring to the table. What's your sales style? So the way I approach any encounter is what is the problem we're trying to solve? And I would say I not I, I rarely do I go into a situation with I need to sell this thing. I have a widget and you're going to buy it. Um, so I would say it's 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 consultative, but that's kind of an escape scapegoat. It's easy to say, <laughs> um, but really it's getting to the root of the problem just by thoughtful line of questioning and figuring out. Well, you think this is your problem because this is why we're here today. So the first question I would ask is, what got us here today? And if I can understand what they're trying to accomplish it's easier than to work back to a solution that, that suits actually the problem you're trying to solve. So however you want to put a, a word or a couple words to that style, it really is getting to the root of the problem and then figuring out from there how we find a solution. And by the way, it may or may not be our solution. Like maybe you actually don't need what you think you need, but I guarantee you, if you help them solve the problem, they're going to come back to you when they have another problem. And then you just kind of keep figuring out how you can work together. And that's really where loyalty is built. So that's my answer. That's awesome. I, I have a question that just came to mind because there's always a friction. There tends to be friction with salespeople and operations people or salespeople and CFO people. Could you give some advice Ooh. on how to how to make that relationship smoother, right? Because we're salespeople, we promise the world, uh, we sell, we're thinking revenue, and the CFO is pushing back. And I'm not talking about ours; I'm just saying in general, ours is awesome. But, you know, because they're they're more analytical, they're black and white, and we're like all warm and fuzzy and and rainbow colors. <laughs> Two things. Uh, one is it's a dance, so it's not black and white. You're both you're both responsible, right, for working together because the team. This is a team game. Everybody wins when we win. Um, and the second is don't overpromise. And through the process of sales, I think you really do no one a benefit by overselling or by overpromising. So whenever I put myself out there in a sales situation, which is on the daily, right? That's what we do. Um, I try to make sure, and maybe my operational background puts me in a better position to empathize or sympathize with, okay, I'm going to make these promises right now. And I know that someone's going to have to like come through on them. Yeah. But the other thing to keep in mind is so understanding where your, your, your people strengths are. So what can we do? Like, how far can we actually push this? And that gets back to being fluent within the organization. So know what you can do and don't promise things you can't do or that you can't reasonably get someone to learn in a very short amount of time, but also put yourself in their situation. And so when you're, when you're in the sales process, I think it's, it's like the salesperson's responsibility to also ensure that you're winning the right kind of business, meaning it fits into the business strategy. It fits into the operations, the way that, you know, they're designed. It doesn't push too many like special procedures into the process. And also that the person that you're working with is a person that would, would be a good client. And I think too many times people just want to win for the sake of winning. And like they recognize the revenue and they see that kind of the, the paycheck that comes with it. But what I've learned in my career is that can be way more damaging than a couple of extra deposits throughout the course of, of a cycle. 
And it is really buying into this is our business and we're growing this responsibly and we're doing it with good clients. We're not everything to everyone. So I know where my lanes are, but I also know we're as a firm. Oh, if we do get into this digital asset thing, what could that mean for us? And so doing the right amount of challenging with internally, whether it's a CFO, the head of ops, whomever it is that you're working with to try to do the internal sale, because often that's way more difficult than getting someone to sign an agreement. Um, Not to take that late. Sometimes that's very hard too. But truly, it's it's the internal sale to say, this is why this would be a good client for us. So I think it's kind of a dance again. It's not just a, I'm a one-man band, but it's all of us working together to produce whatever outcome the client needs. Yes, you are speaking sales gravy language. We love this. And everyone that I'm coaching, and for any listeners who are coming into sales, I personally think what you just said about are you a good fit for my organization as well? Is the question that you should be asking before you pick up that phone, when you've got your pipeline ready, having that pipeline, knowing who you're prospecting to, having good lists, it's so key, isn't it? Um, and obvious, maybe, but not always, because salespeople can be very enthusiastic. I want to pick up the phone. I want to call them. I want to call them. Yay, I got a deal. I got a deal. And then you've dropped you've dropped your prices because actually it wasn't quite the right fit in the first place. And actually you couldn't negotiate because you hadn't pre pre-confirmed them so yeah what you're saying spot on and and then and then you bring them on and they're way more work to manage than you anticipated and you're actually losing money well that's why you have to include out of scope language in your agreement so take out the discount language and put in the out of scope language so i i will not discount it, it's not yeah. We are better than that. And 100%. It, it, it should be a value working with us. And we do provide a premium service. So the concept of discounting, and I think our industry is one that's cannibalized itself, right? Like everyone wants to win all the deals because accountants like to win. And we like to know that we're best. Well, it's first of all, best is relative. Secondly, winning all the deals is not even an option because it's not healthy for the industry. And finally, why Why are you discounting? Think about why you're doing it. If you're doing it because it's a first year fund, you recognize they don't have, they haven't grown to the point where they need to grow to sustain the fee that you're charging. There are specific and very narrow times that will use that case, but that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be your, your norm and your go-to. It shouldn't be in your template doc. Mm-hmm. Your template doc should have out of scope language. It says, listen, if here are our assumptions, If we go outside of this assumption and I'm doing my job is defining those assumptions, we're creating the price based on those assumptions. Anything outside that, we shouldn't feel bad going back to the client and asking for them to to pay for it. We're not a 501c3. Yeah. Amen. Out of scope language. I love that. (laughs) I love that because there's definitely been scenarios where it's out of scope and then out of pocket. Susanna, to your point, how do you attract the proper talent if the fees that they're earning for a specific engagement don't meet the expectation that they have from a from a, a an income standpoint? So, I mean, if you want to if you want to get in more of finance, like the concept of a balance sheet <laughs> is income versus expenses, and if the expenses outweigh the income, then that mismatch isn't allowing for a healthy business. 
Yeah, 100%. You're speaking my language. I've actually just been listening to, Jeb will love this, but I've been listening to an audiobook, Inked, um, his whole book on negotiation. If you, if you haven't read it, it speaks exactly your language, what you're saying. Like it's, um, yeah, just a little plug there for Sales Gravy. Not that we, we mm-hmm. give enough plugs. Um, but so tell us a bit more about what you're most proud of that you've achieved in your current business. What would you say has been your win point this is a very hard question. <laughs> I know. We like to ask the hard questions. Susanna does. I just, you know, I just like to sit here and be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you both do it equally as well. <laughs> um, Thank you. What am I most proud of? I am most proud of the achievements I have to date because they've been earned. And I didn't take shortcuts. I didn't assume, I didn't buy my way there. And I have had like, hard years. I have had eight years of doing the exact same thing over and over and over again in my fund accounting days just to learn what I was doing. And while I wouldn't trade those years for anything, I'm very happy now that I've kind of invested the time to figure out for me what what I am good at. And I think that's been a journey and an evolution to really reconcile how you were brought up in the business versus how you might be most effective in the business. And I do have this ability given kind of all of the things I've done in the past to really connect those dots and to say, I think I hear what you're saying. And I know that I've helped somebody over here do that. And really just being that resource internally, externally, globally, wherever you want to go. Like I, I feel like I've seen a lot and I've learned how to use my experiences to just make this world a better place. And my kids ask me like, oh, you know, how do you, like, why do you do, I don't even know what you do. And I'm like, every day I go to, I go to work and I know the work that we're doing is making people's lives better. We make sure that their investments are safe and they're being done in ways that are accordance with all the standards they're supposed to be in accordance with. And as long as we're doing that, I know that we're helping people achieve their dreams. And my kids, it's still kind of like la la land language. But I truly feel like I've found myself in this industry for a reason. And I think it's because I have that ability to just see a broader picture and to help people figure it out. And it's been a, you know, a process of a couple of decades of building not only knowledge, but being open to new things and being open to maybe I don't have it all figured out, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to to bring the right people in when I, I know I have a gap. That's just it. Um, yeah. Learning, always learning. Um, and that's that's exactly what we feel. But when I was a child, I was told that if I go into sales, you have to be cutthroat, you have to be sneaky, you have to be manipulative. Who told you that? It's that perception that you've got oh, to be cutthroat okay. in business, right? But the, the thing that I've learned in my 20s, towards my 30s, towards wait I am over 30 by the way um you know that um but I've learned that yes it's about doing good to do well or doing well to do good it really is and what you just said sums it up and I can see from speaking to you you've got that transparency you you know your numbers which is always good because you can be transparent but also you've got a very natural way about you um which I, I think, and I, I assume that's why you have done done so well um, in business. I mean, there's no reason to not be transparent. I don't have things to hide. Like, I'm going to tell you what you can expect, and you should expect that. And 
no one wins if you try and be deceitful. Mm. And I, I, I couldn't lie if I wanted to. <laughs> like, I'm just a very bad liar anyway. I should never be around a poker table. Um, I, first of all, I, I'm not very good at that. I'm not a good poker player, <laughs> but I also would just give it away. Like, haha, I've got all the things or whatever. Um, but I will say to counter that, and Jack Wilson is one of my good friends, and I've known him through the sales community for a long time. Didn't say long, I guess not as long as others, but I've known him long enough that we have like this understanding of each other. And when he first met me, he, damn, you're feisty. And I was like, well, sometimes, and sometimes I know I don't need to be, or I shouldn't be. And you can kind of like have this EQ to read the room and figure out like, what do I need and how would I be best received? And it's not that I'm, I'm being wishy-washy. I just, I think I have that ability, right. To relate to people. And you know, when some people need a softer side, I'll say goldfish. (laughs) And there are some times when you have to bring out the shark. And so Jack sent me this, this painting, I think it's a canvas. And I don't know if you can see that, but it's a shark fin on a goldfish. And I'll send it to you so you can, you can have it. But I think the, the key here is sometimes you have to be cutthroats, maybe a little extreme, but sometimes you have to be like assertive and, and, and do what needs to be done, but you don't always have to be. And I think it's finding that balance and figuring out where the, where the real need is and how you need to approach a situation. And often it's not carrying that really heavy thing that makes you like appear like you're you're coming at it, right? And you do sometimes, but having that on all the time would just be exhausting. So if you can just be yourself, sometimes you might appear as the shark, but often you don't really need to do that. And so I always say, be yourself, everybody else is taken. Um, and it's true. I think it, it applies well. And if you're genuine, yeah, good things happen. I love that picture, by the way. Um, please send that picture. to. Um, I, I'm going to post it on LinkedIn for all of our listeners. But um, I know- well, I. I- I love that. Be yourself because everyone else is taken. Oscar Wilde, I can't take credit. Well, I love <laughs> it's a great reminder and uh, a great way for us to uh, sadly wrap up this episode because I, as you, as we told you, this would we don't know where the conversation is going to go. Uh, <laughs> we could definitely continue to go with you because uh, I wanted to dive into. Maybe we could bring you back. I wanted to dive into the topic of women in ETFs um, because. Because it's something I want to know about and I don't want to be scared of when everybody talks about it. And mostly those are the men in my life. So maybe we can come back and have that conversation with you. I would welcome that. And I think you'll be very interested in the story and the evolution and how I got into ETF because it's not the most traditional route. Okay. Well, can we can we book you to come back just for that? <laughs> of course. Okay, great. So um, I love telling the story and I think it's super empowering. Fantastic. Then we're going to have um, Nian schedule with you again so we can. <laughs> I'm serious because this. I'll be a regular on the show. You could be. Yes, please. You could, I, I need another redhead to, to balance it out sometimes. Uh, but I do want to talk about that because that's where I, where I was going when I was thinking about some of the things that I, as a woman, um, I'm like, I don't understand that. So I'm just going to avoid talking about it because I don't understand it, but I want to understand it because now I'm fascinated by it. So um, for those who don't know what that is, you'll have to come back for that episode. Ooh, and Susanna's got, Susanna's got one more, I think one more question for you and then we have to wrap up. Yeah. So being the weird blonde influence who has joined this uh, 
this uh, podcast for as long as I'm needed, um, I have brought in a new little question that I ask our listeners sometimes, and it's a would you rather, because I'm obsessed with would you rather. We list, we, we read it on the toilet seat. That sounds really weird, but it's one of those books that you read in the bathroom. And this question has got me really thinking, and I want to know what your answer is. Would you rather have more time, if you could create more time, or more money would you rather have more time or time. more money time every time and why as long as you're using your time wisely you're going to have more money <laughs> but would you be spending that time making money you know there's a question there i knew that was what gina was thinking because they called gina gina money and she's thinking more time more money <laughs> i would take more time in a heartbeat any to any day all day every day and the more time you have, I think as long as you're using it wisely, you're inevitably going to use it in some capacity that's greater than what you have today to make money. So it, it it's a direct correlation. Another one for Eugene. Direct correlation means the more time you have, the more money, the more time you have to earn money, the more money you earn. Nice. I'll write that one down. I like it. Oh, we've <laughs> loved having you. We loved having you. Can't wait to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to talk about the ETF story. I think there's so much there. Well, great. We'll have um, Nian reach back out to you. He's got some some of our dates for the next month, I think. And if we could bring you back, that would be awesome. If people want to connect with you, what are the best ways to do that? So personally, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I think, um, again, to the network effect, it's important for the firm and for the growth of of our of our initiatives to be visible there. And so I'm Camille Clemens at Cowan Company. I also like alliteration. So now I work for a firm with the initials that are the same as my name. Works pretty well. I didn't have to change my monograms. We I also am on Twitter, so Camille E. Clemens. And then the firm can be found if anyone's interested in CPA services, audit tax and consulting, uh, CohenCPA.com. Awesome. Awesome. It was so great having you here, Camille. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners, to our Warners for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. Any last words from you, Miss Jones? Miss Gray Jones, no words for me, but you can hear it's thunder and rain. It's all over the news over here in the UK. So wish us luck here in the rainy UK. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, Warners. Bye.